2: All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our Friday edition the Tailgate, and I'm joined by one of my favorite guys to tailgate with. He is Rufus Alexander. Rufus has the body recovered, has the mind recovered from the madness in Stillwater on Saturday night.
3: Man, no, I mean, even though I got so hyped in that game that I jumped up and tried to chest bump one of the guys and (laughs) fell on my backside, it was so excited about the game and. you know, how, you know, the defense prevailed in that game and the offense cared us for a long while It's just uh, a total team effort. You know, um, the, the offense plays well in spurts, and then whenever they went down into a lull against this OSU offense, the defense stepped up a little bit and helped them out. It's just each team stopped each other, and each team decided to let the other one score at the same time. So the score just was crazy.
2: You know, I, I always feel bad because I pigeonhole you talking about defense, and obviously you were a great linebacker in your day, but Rufus, I want to start talking offense because we got a Heisman Trophy candidate, we've got the front rudder in Baker Mayfield, he's never lost a true road game in his career. When you watch Baker, what stands out most to you in number six?
3: Oh, I think his presence on the field and his understanding of what's going on in the game, he knows when to, you know, put his body on the line to kind of get the team hyped and get them, you know, into the game. And he, he, he just affects the game defensively and offense in so many different ways. He puts so, so much pressure on another team's offense where they have to try and keep pace. Because, you know, you can't keep o, OU's offense down for that long. So it, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, anybody play against this OU, it's just so much pressure of the offense because you know it's in a matter of time can score with anybody and it helps out the defense. And Baker Mayfield is just kind of like he arc streets, the whole entire thing, moving people, getting guys where they need to get making the proper reads. He's been he's so much better from when he first started to now. He's a totally different quarterback and. Anybody that plays against him, I mean, you got to be worried about playing against that guy because he just just affects the game in so many different ways. And that's with his feet, that's with throwing the ball, that emotionally. um, He's just all around affects the team. And for me, he's the husband um, running away right now.
2: And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, the last couple of weeks we've been down there to see, and, and it's I guess we're going on about three weeks now with Rodney Anderson, but the last few weeks with Marquise Brown, yeah, you, you think you have set weapons heading into the season. All right, it's going to be these three guys at running back, maybe even two with Abdul Adams and Rodney Anderson. And then you know you got Mark Andrews and you hope you see the freshman develop, but man, Rufus... I, I don't even have words to describe how fast Marquise Brown is. And to see his story in an article in the Tulsa world and know everything he's overcome, man, what a, what a gym, what a find for this team.
3: I know what, I mean, an incredible find, you know, um, just the story about how he was almost at USC and, and what happened and all that stuff. And this, this kid is just unbelievable the way he, he gets the ball and, and he's so electrifying. I mean, you watch him against the OSU. I mean, he just ran away from those guys, and he made it look easy. Yeah. Um, and he kind of got into his own. It, it reminds me a lot of the way um, uh, of how D.D. Westbrook kind of got started, you know, uh, when he got comfortable um, playing, uh, opposed from Juco, to playing in top B1 offense and, and, getting, and finding his spot and stuff. So he found his way, and he settled in. And now you start to see his talent take over, his speed, his, the way he catches the ball in space and how he runs away from defenders. All that stuff starts to take form now. And it, it just looks really – I mean, for Baker Mayfield gives him another weapon on the other side of Mark Andrews and all the running backs. And, uh, uh, Jeff, with that, the way he kind of falls into this offense, he just and C.D. Lamb, you see, like, you just kind of start thinking about it, like, wow, they have so many weapons that come in. And thinking Riley uses them all uh, and maximizes their potential on the field together.
2: Uh, one final thought on the offense, because obviously we want to spend some time talking about the defense, and it's a unique challenge this weekend with Kenny Hill. But everyone always talks about weight and how, you know, slight, I guess the term is for Marquise Brown. Rufus, do you – is there an ideal weight for a wide receiver? I mean, I – I mean, I see this not really being that big of an issue, but a lot of people are really had lost their minds over it. I mean, is is that a big deal
3: to you? Uh, no, it's not a big deal to me. I mean, he he breaks tackles. I mean, for a guy that is, you know his his size, I mean, he breaks tackles. He gets away. I mean, the speed he gets behind the receivers. He goes up for the ball. Um, he made some good catches. I mean, I don't think his height and weight has even bothered anybody, at least at OU. I mean, it, didn't bother, it doesn't bother me at all. Right. Uh, the, the way he's been able to showcase everything that he can do. I mean, you look at the way he went up and caught the ball uh, out in space against um, OSU. Uh, he caught a big, long bomb. Uh, the kid has athleticism, and he plays wide receiver. He's not playing running back. You're not asking him to carry 230 pounds to take a pounding all game. He's playing out in space against other DBs, and they have to tackle him in space. So um, they you can't yeah, you can't look at him as he's a, a running back and coming in there and trying to you know get up on people and and bang around in the middle with linebackers and defensive linemen. He's out there in space with other guys that's you know 180 pounds, 190 pounds, and they have to tackle that guy in space. You don't want to tackle a guy like that. Look at Darren Sproles, uh, for example. He's not your prototypical running back. He's, wow. a, he's a little guy. He's not some. 230-pound running back, but he's had a long, durable uh, professional career, college career. Um, so you look at him in that light, and you see the size really doesn't matter as well. You look at there's other small receivers that's done really well. Um, you can go from Wes Welker to Amendola to guys like that. They're not big guys, but they get the ball in their hand, and they electrify anything with the ball in their hand.
2: Rufus, let me shift to the defensive side of the football. You and I, and Teddy obviously, have a really cool perspective on game day. We're down there on the sidelines. We're keeping tabs. It's it's fun to watch these coaches coach. But, you know, you and I spent a lot of time around the DBs last week, just in watching Coach Cooks and Coach Walker kind of rebuild that confidence for guys and try to find out what what matchups might work the best. With that in mind, I mean, how much of a challenge can that be to rebuild the confidence of someone in that secondary, specifically, say, a cornerback who's been beat a few times. Is that a tough thing to work on? Is that more just individual? Is that more just experience? What's the key to bouncing back for a DB?
3: Um, I mean, you got to have a sharp memory. I mean, you playing, especially playing in the Big 12, you play against guys. Uh, I mean, Iowa State even has a big receiver that's a go-to guy. Baylor has a big receiver that's a go-to guy. You go and you look at OSU. I mean, look at the guys at OSU. I mean, you have Washington, McCleskey. you got all those big time receivers, and you have to have a short-term memory. But you also have to trust your technique when something bad happens. Uh, trust it and continue to go and, and revert back to what you've learned and how you've always been playing. Uh, Sometimes these guys get down on themselves, and they start they, they, they start to second-guess themselves. And, and that's the worst part about it. Whenever you start to second guess yourself as a receiver, as a linebacker, not trusting your reads and different things like that, it's just a snowball effect. And so the job that Coach Cooks and and uh, Marcus and Coach Walker, Marcus has, is they have to tell those guys: short term memory, get back out there, focus, trust your technique, believe in what you're doing, stay on top of the route, do all these different things that that tends to break down mentally whenever guys get a a pass caught on them.
2: How have you seen the progression of Kenneth Murray? I feel like I ask you every time we get you on. I feel like I ask you every single pregame show, but that's a position you're familiar with. So, uh, long term, I think he's going to be great, Rufus. But in the short term, he's still a guy that because of his lack of experience, teams are going to try to exploit. How has he handled that pressure, in your opinion?
3: Uh, I think he's handled it well. I mean, you look at him in uh, the run game, uh, I mean, he's... He's been really good in the run game. Whenever he sees it, and he hits the hole. Uh, some of the things he missed, you know, it's just come with growth and maturity and understanding what they're trying to do and how they're trying to attack you. But if he sees the ball in the run game, man, he's there. He's hitting the hole. He's making tackles, and a lot of his tackles, if he hits you, you're going down. It, it's not something where guys are running through his tackles. He'll he'll face you, square you up, and he'll hit you. And you he drives the power back. That's what I love about what he does. Um, the thing about it is, is reading stuff faster, and that'll come with time. That'll come as he continues to grow as a player. But you, in every game he's played in, you haven't seen stuff where the game has been way too big for him, yeah. where he can't adjust, and he hasn't made the tackles and everything. He's never been totally out man or out athlete or out physical in games. He's always he's just been there. He's been a good player. He's been steady. He's understanding what's coming to him, and he's adjusting in the game and making the play and you gotta appreciate that and his growth is only gonna continue to get better. He'll be a really good leader for this team. Do you remember when that moment clicked for you
2: as a as a sooner? Whenever things I don't want to say started to slow down, but whenever, you know, it wasn't the madness of being out there as, as a youngster. When did things really slow down for you?
3: I'm gonna say after my first year, my second year I went into it, I took a different approach to it. Everything settled down It really the speed of the game uh, slowed down for me. probably maybe after my third or fourth game our first year. Just the speed slowed down, but the knowledge and understanding what teams are trying to do and being an extension of the defensive coordinator on the field was probably my second year because I became more of a student of the game. Uh, so much comes at you in your first year where it's hard for you to just kind of really get into the whole groove of things and, and, and play and, 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 you know, with guys like I have, Coach Venable, so it was always a different check. Check this, check that, check this. And so you're, you're at, at a moment's time, you're trying to learn how to check everything and get into different things. And when to call a, a, a slant or movement with the line, when to change the uh, coverage, whenever you see something, um, being able to have that, that little computer in your head, knowing that it's three by one, back offset, this is what's coming. These are the top three plays that they're doing. And becoming more pursuit of the game, it came second nature my second, uh, my second year in it. My first year, I was just trying to stay in front of everything, trying to stay in control of myself. And that was something that, you know, in my second year, it was second nature to get lined up. Now it's just figuring everything out. Now was seeing what's in front of me, getting everything at, the, at a moment's notice and figuring it all out and diagnosing the play.
0: All right,
2: two more quick ones and I'll let you go. And it's focusing squarely on the game plan. Let's look at Kenny Hill. This dude's been incredible on third downs passing this year. He's completing 70% of his third down attempts. But obviously, we know the challenge, dual threat. Rufus, what part of the Sooner defense is stressed the most whenever you have a guy that's as effective? You see dual threat quarterbacks all the time. But not many are as good of a runner as Kenny Hill is. Who's stressed the most come Saturday?
3: Um, I think the... uh... The linebackers are really stressed the most in that one because they run the ball so well in play action, and that's what helped Kenny Hill Kenny Hill out because with the play action, the linebackers bite up. It opens everything up in the middle. You don't have levels to it, so it opens up the passing lanes, and he can see things clearly. If you can get him in third and long, that's where he struggles at. Uh, you want to get him out of you want to get him out of the manageable downs. You want to get him to where he has to see things down the field. And the linebackers can drop and get in the coverage and make it hard for him, and have him and have to have him dissect plays um, and, and coverages and break them down. That's where he struggles at. But if he's in third and manageable, I mean, he play action. You have to fight up because they run the ball so well. So for OU, the game plan is to get him third and long, um, uh, at least put him in third and eight, third and seven. Uh, that's where you want to keep. Kenny Hill at, that's where he tends to make a lot of the mistakes because that means it's more of a passing down. Guys are not trying to light up on the pass. It's not giving them easy windows to throw in. And one thing you got to account for is, oh, well, you got to account for a guy rushing so it speeds up your clock as well. So for, for, for OU's defense, they have to get him out of third and medium, third and manageable.
2: And then finally on the other, on the other side, how fun is this battle in the trenches going to be between Oklahoma's offensive line and the sixth best rush defense in the country? I mean, this is going to be something to watch on Saturday. What's the key there?
3: Um, physicality. I mean, it's going to be one of this is one of those games that um, Orlando Brown is you know is one of those guys that he loves these games because. Like he said in his interview, he wants the guy's mom to come and tell me how to bad game. He's <laughs> such a physical presence. He's so, he, he is such a, a great a great offensive tackle, and for him and Evans and the, the offensive line, it's going to be for those guys to play a uh, good sound deep good sound offense, be physical at the point of attack. Because what you know is the. Uh, TCU is going to come out there and they're going to try to be physical with you. They're going to try to match your physicality. And OU themselves have to be ready to play and match that intensity and be a little bit more over the top. But with that being said, if you look at OU's offense, they i mean—they have so many weapons. that yeah. TCU has yet to, find to to go against an offense the likes of OU's offense. They're, I mean, they've been the best in the country, number one in the country as a team offense and those guys are going to be ready to play. They're going to be geared up, and they have so many weapons because we talked about it earlier. You have Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. Um, you have T.D. Lamb to account for. You have the deck, Then you have three running backs that you don't know who the heck is going to get the ball. And then you also sit back there, and then there's number six back there. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, well who do I kill? Right. And, and that's the headache that every coach has when they play against uh, OU's, OU's offense is because there's so many guys, so who do you key on and where will oh, OU go from there after you stop one weapon? And then what if one thing starts to work? That means you have to give up another. You have to give up the rush to bring people, drop people back in the pass. So then you start running the ball. So then you bring a guy in the box. And that leaves C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown, Andrew. You don't have enough people to cover. You have, Also, I mean, you can't even forget about Demetri Flowers. We yeah. didn't even talk about him. He's having a phenomenal year as a utility guy with that little pop pass where it looks like it's run. The linebacker's come up, and Baker Mayfield reads it to perfection. And He reads that linebacker. When he comes up, he steps up, boom, the fullback right in behind. So how do you defend all that that's coming at you? I don't know. I haven't figured it out. And other defensive coordinators have to stay in countless hours trying to figure out how to stop this team. And for me, I always tell them, fill up because they're really good.
2: <laughs> hey, you expected to be rowdy on
3: Saturday night? What? You expect-, oh, I expect it to be rowdy. Yeah, yeah I, I expect it to be rowdy. It should be. Uh, it's a big game. You know, fans uh, are so critical of a lot of things that coaches do, but they also need to be critical of themselves. Student section to the fans as well. The atmosphere. You always have to go back to – te- let's make it a Texas Tech game. So you're saying, to know since 2008, we haven't had a game that people can say, this is a new game that we need to look at. I mean, that's, that's what's crazy to me. As a fan, you need to go back and you need to look at that and say, man, that's crazy. We have to have we have to go back all the way to two thousand and eight to have a memorable moment in the stadium. That and uh, you know, that's that that's worrisome to me as well. Like I said from I hate going back the same way when I played but <laughs> if you go and look at whenever whenever I played it, it but, yeah, but you go back and you look at it, I could name games right off the bat whenever Seneca Wallace came into oh, yeah. town and man it was Crazy and in rowdy. there the atmosphere was crazy whenever Colorado came when they had purified Chris Brown crazy atmosphere when Alabama came to town I mean it was so loud in there it was it was rocking in there um I mean in the Texas games I mean this year's Texas game was really crazy. But, I mean, there's games I can go back. Cliff, Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, whenever he came to town on his Heisman run and they knocked him out on the goal pole by swinging him down on the sack and put him out of the game. So, I mean, I, I got the, I can keep going from game to game to game of how crazy the atmosphere was. And now you have to you have a big gap on where, hey, this game was so rowdy then, and it's 2008, now we're in 2017, and we still we're still referring back to 2008. Makes that's, you, know, that's, that makes, you know, that kind of shocks you a little bit if you kind of really sit back and think about it.
2: Which means we need to charge and challenge everyone to be even louder on Saturday night. Rufus, man, great stuff as always, buddy. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you on Saturday.
3: All right, man, I'll talk to you later.
2: Thanks to Rufus, man. I love getting his perspective on everything as I always feel bad like I pigeonhole him, talking nothing but defense with him. But fun. Fun to go in-depth with him and fun to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners as we get set for TCU. You can hear Rufus, Teddy Lehman, Toby Coach, myself on Saturday beginning at 5 p.m. We'll be live from out at FanFest. Come by, say hi, hang out for a little bit. Our pregame show is broadcast throughout all of FanFest so you won't miss any of the pregame breakdown. And if you're traveling, download that TuneIn radio app or listen to one of our great affiliates right here in the state of Oklahoma including 107.7 the franchise and of course in Tulsa 97.5 KMOD and 1430 the buzz we mentioned Baker Mayfield challenging the fans this is what it sounded like at the end of Baker's press conference on Monday
4: you know being at one of the last home games we're going to have and it's important to our college football uh, playoff run going to call out our fans it's going to be an important one for us uh, seven o'clock game night game um I don't want to hear any talk about the 2008 Texas Tech game. This needs to be the new talk for the future. This, this crowd needs to be going. Um, you know, We give it our all week in and week out. I, I expect the fans to do the same for me on Saturday.
2: After trying to fire everyone up, I had a chance to go one-on-one with Baker and obviously look back on last week and talk more about getting these fans riled up for Saturday night. Baker, what a performance on Saturday. Do, do you have it in your head? Do you know when you're getting close to 500, 600 yards, or is it just about the, the, the
4: game and the flow? Oh, wow. I, you know, I really had no idea it was that many yards. It's just, you know, like you said, the game and the flow of the game. It was just doing what's necessary to win. It's something like last year against Texas Tech. It was just whatever was necessary for us. And um, didn't realize it till the end. And uh, it was just a good team win for us. Take me through how you've been able to develop chemistry
2: with Marquise Brown, because as you said, as fast of a guy as we've seen. So it's a different uh, velocity you want on the ball, timing. I mean, how much time did that take with you and him?
4: It's it's something that really it's pretty tricky because it's such an adjustment compared to the other receivers. No disrespect to them, but it's just such an elite level of speed that you really have to lead him, and you want you want to put the ball to where he has to kick it into that next gear to go catch it. Because once he has that ball in his hands, he's gone, and that's the most important thing for me is just making sure he gets it in his hands. What kind of, I don't know if the term is security blanket,
2: but what kind of help is it to have
4: receiver, uh, running backs that are so, so good at catching the ball out of the backfield? I mean, it's unbelievable. It, it's something that it really, that kind of stuff gives defenses you know fits. It's like, okay, we locked up everybody else, but then if it's a running back one-on-one with a linebacker, Uh, which is what mostly happens it's i mean our guys are so athletic and they're able to go up and catch the ball i mean trey sermon's catch uh, over that linebacker on kind of our reverse flea flick or whatever you want to call it i mean unbelievable and then obviously rodney anderson continues week in week out to catch the ball and make plays for us it's just it's something that the teams really it gives them fits because they'll they'll take care of the the coverage and and the pass rush but then if you don't worry about the running back it'll it'll give them fits it's kind of wild to think that there's only two games left at home in the baker
2: mayfield era three games in the regular season you want to see an active crowd on Saturday night, don't you?
4: I do. You know, it's something I just said in the press conference. I think for us, we need the crowd. It's it's an important one for us. You know, we're feeling that championship November feeling. We need it. we need this one on Saturday. It's important for us. So, um, you know, my last two games. I don't want to think about it too much. It'll make me too sad. But uh, I'm gonna need the crowd on Saturday. Hey, and uh, championship November is what you
2: live for. So far, so good, right? What does that mean to everyone in the locker room?
4: It's huge. You know, focusing in on one week at a time, it's big. And then them just realizing how close we are to our goals, it's just got to make sure they focus back in on, you know, having that one week at a time mindset.
2: Can't really talk about Baker without talking about his left tackle. Quick sit down with Orlando Brown Jr. from Monday, and obviously this is a guy that has a lot of confidence going right now.
5: Take us through that battle on Saturday, man. Uh, just how intense was it in the trenches? Very intense, man. You know, obviously with it being Bellum, you know, very physical game up front. Uh, the front seven, you know, of Oklahoma State, man credit to them you know they played a really really big really good game and you know they fought really hard what adjustments did you see from them throughout the game and how challenging was it with what glenn spencer in their front was trying to do yeah uh man you know it was a lot of different things that we hadn't seen you know i feel like man they threw the whole playbook at us and uh you know we we had to react to a lot of different things and they did a really good job of preparing and then how key was that with coach Beanbo and everyone
2: understanding the responsibilities for you guys to have that knowledge to be able to adjust
5: Oh, very key. You know, Coach Bow does what he needs to do to make sure that we're ready each and every week and each and every day, you know, going into practice and going into these games on Saturdays.
2: Hey, a final thought. How much do you guys feed off the crowd? In other words, we want to see a raucous atmosphere here Saturday, don't we?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, we feed on it as a team. You know, our defense needs it. Our offense needs it, special teams. And, man, I, I want the crowd rocking on Saturday. And speaking of
2: confidence... Man, I have dug watching the growth and the development of Oboe Okoronkwo. We caught up with Obo on Monday, and this is a guy that was a huge difference maker last year against TCU, had a couple of late sacks that really changed the game, and he's going to have to be a difference maker on Saturday. Physical game, challenging game. How are you feeling right now physically bouncing back from that on Saturday?
5: Um, you know, we're just, we did a lot of recovery yesterday. Uh, after the game, I was really sore, but, you know, being sore is cool if you win. <laughs>
2: I think that we just got a new slot. We got a t-shirt. Being sore is cool if you win. What adjustments did you guys
5: make throughout that game to really start getting pressure on Mason Rudolph? Did you dial up the blitz a little bit? Oh uh, Yeah, we dialed up the blitzes a little bit more. Um, we, we tried different, um, different fronts. We tried a three front. We put four down. We tried five down. We just did a lot of different things. What's it like for you now seeing people game plan for you? And every move that you use, they've
2: studied you. I mean, is that challenge? you got two guys coming after you sometimes, maybe even three at times. What's that been like as an adjustment for you with how you approach the game?
5: Uh, I, I just know now, you know, I, uh, things aren't going to come as easy. You know, you just got to watch more films, see where you can find, you know, make your plays. Uh, you can't force it, though. You know, you just got to let some plays come to you. Defense never got down on Saturday. I love the confidence, Obo. You didn't let anyone get down. There were times where you could get frustrated. But how key was that mentally to keep everyone up? Oh, uh, it was very important because we knew you know, we're playing one of the best offenses in the country. They're going to score, and they're going to make plays. We just got to keep on making our plays when it matters.
2: You know, you, Obviously, as an outside linebacker and a defensive end, at times, you work with a lot of different guys. But what about Kenneth Mann and to see his development and how he's really become an impact
5: player on that line? Yeah, Kenneth, man, he's he's coming along. Like, <laughs> that guy, he's, he has a lot of potential. He I feel like he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can do. And, and speaking of that, on the other side, you got, like, the
2: Wiley vet with the DJ Ward. That communication both you and him can get to the coaches. How key is that to be able to come to the sidelines and say, hey, here's what we see, and know Coach Tibbs and Coach Kish and Coach McNeil are going to be able to adjust on it?
5: Oh, it's really important. Uh, me and DJ, we – us both being veterans out there, just it's just it's really good having two guys with a high football IQ, you know, out there just knowing what's going on and uh, being able to put other people in the right places. I'm impressed for you, final thought, with the young guys. Seeing Trey Brown out there, seeing Trey Norwood, Robert Barnes
2: getting some big play uh, playing time late. How reassuring was that to see those young guys step up like they did?
5: Man, I was so happy just because, you know, when their number was called, they were there, they came up with the big plays, you know. Um, we're, that's our slogan here, we too deep. <laughs> the number was called and they were ready. Congrats, man. Thank you. It's going to be fun. You have two teams whose strengths are going
2: to butt heads. TCU is one of the best defenses in the country. They're one of the best run defenses in the country. Oklahoma, hands down, one of the best, if not the best offense in the country. Very good at running the football. They collide Saturday night at 7 o'clock in prime time. I don't even have to tell you that it's five versus six in the college football rankings. Kind of be a shake-up Saturday. If you will when you really think about it because you got the Notre Dame Miami game going on this weekend. We've got TCU, Alabama's taking on Mississippi State. A lot of potential moves could happen in next week's college football playoff rankings. It's going to be a fun weekend. Can't wait to immerse ourselves in it. If you uh if you aren't going to be there, at least find a way to experience OU and TCU this Saturday night. Now, one thing that's pretty cool is the Sooner Salute. So as this drops on a Friday morning, coming up tonight, if you have a ticket to the TCU game, you get free admission to Oklahoma and Belmont in women's basketball on Friday night, plus free admission to OU Omaha on Sunday, the men's basketball season opener. Tonight is extra special because we honor the career of Courtney Paris as her number, her jersey will be hung in the Raptors and we had a chance to talk to Courtney about that honor and kind of what it meant to her to know that she was going to be remembered as she was going to anyway <laughs> among the all time greats in Oklahoma history.
1: Oh well first of all thanks for having me on. But um I'm excited exciting. I remember Coach Cole uh, a few months ago had me in her office and she told me about it and I was just overwhelmed. Um This means a lot to me. The University of Oklahoma means a lot to me and my family. So to be honored, is um, it's really a big deal for me, and it's it's just been an exciting moment for me.
2: I'm going to go random here on you real quick because I was in Tulsa – when you were playing for the Shock, I had an opportunity to do a lot of their games. And then I believe you were still with them when they moved to Dallas. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. Courtney, what was the WNBA experience like for you? And then having that chance to play in, I don't want to say your home state, but what kind of became almost like your home state? Was it fun to play in Oklahoma
1: again? Oh, yeah, it definitely feels feels like my home state. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, yeah, we did. We moved to Dallas, and I was made that move with them for the past two seasons. But um, it was great, and I kind of rejuvenated my career in Tulsa, so it meant a lot to me to be back in Oklahoma playing and just being around you know, Oklahoma fans and being back in that atmosphere.
2: Has it been – now, as you mentioned, you've been now with that organization for, what, since 2012. So has, has the WNBA – and I know you still will, will play overseas some – but has it been everything you expected? Has it been everything from – at least from a training, from a fan participation, from an enthusiasm perspective, that you expect the next level to be.
1: Um, yes, and and no. I mean, it's it's <laughs> no no secret that women's basketball is still growing, and I think the WNBA is, um, you know, an example of that. And we're still growing fans, and it was it was a different atmosphere to go from OU and the um, kind of – arenas we played in and the games we had to going to WMA. It was a big adjustment, but like I said, it's still growing. And for me, it's been a positive experience. I've learned a lot. Um, you playing against the best players in the world. So it, it's it was new to me, but it's been a positive experience overall. Take, take me back
2: to what led to your decision to come to Oklahoma. You laid out being in Coach Cole's office when she said, hey, we're going to honor you this weekend, but I know whenever you come back on campus and people are talking a lot about your career, you get nostalgic, right? So take me back to the beginning. What sold you on Oklahoma?
1: Oh, gosh, the beginning, it's like 14, 15 years ago <laughs> makes me so old. But I think for me, you know, obviously I value basketball and a big part of um, even at that age was looking at a system I could play in that would work for me and my sister. And, you know, Coach Cole has her motion offense that just allowed a lot of space for me to be able to work, but also just people. I think the, the big thing in the, um, our deciding factor was knowing what people we wanted to be around, the teammates, the coaches that recruited us, and knowing that, you know, um, those people would kind of become your family and they have. And I think we made the right choice. I think you did too. We'll be celebrating
2: it on Friday night. With that in mind, Was there a moment maybe during your freshman season or, heck, Courtney, maybe even during practice to where you finally said, yeah, this is not only the place for me, but this is going to be click, uh, this is going to click, and this is going to be absolutely perfect for what I want to do. Was there that moment for you?
1: I think um, for me, it was before I came. It was on my official visit. And like I said, I'm a people person, I'm 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 a basketball person, too, and I was watching them do a workout, their precision conditioning, and Aaron Higgins shot a three-pointer like five feet off the line, and it drained it. And I thought, okay, this, I just figured we'd be able to – it would fit. We'd be able to play together. It would work. And I don't know. It was just I was always confident about what we'd be able to do at the
2: We're talking about getting nostalgic. Uh, and you, you look at those signature moments – do you have those memories that still you think – I don't want to say you think back on daily because obviously you have a career now and you're playing with the uh, with the Wings and that's uh, been a pretty successful flan- franchise over the last few years. But, Courtney, what are the memories for you on the court that truly sustain that you think about – I don't want to say daily, but register with you regularly? Are there
1: games that really stick out? Oh, yeah. I think our run in my freshman year and going on in the Big 12 um, – that, that whole year was just amazing. It was so much fun. And then another one was my senior year. Um, you know, Asha and I are from the Bay Area, and we played Cal Berkeley, and that was one of the schools we looked at going to, and a lot of our friends and childhood teammates were playing there, and we were down by 26 at halftime, and it was just, you know, we, we can't go back to California at this point. It's embarrassing, <laughs> but we came back and ended up winning that game by 13. Aisha Stevenson hit some many 3s and... I don't know, that's probably something I'll never forget. That was such a fun game, such a fun comeback.
2: And then obviously the awards poured in. And listen, Courtney, I've been around you enough to know that you're never going to be someone that's going to pat yourself on the back. You were always a team player. But when you realized you were the first, first four-time first-team All-American in women's basketball history, uh, the awards that you brought in, uh, you were named the top senior women's basketball player. I mean, these are things, too, that – Obviously, in celebrating your career tonight, have to be pretty special to you, right?
1: They are. Um, I have never really felt like it was all about me. I felt like I was a piece of what we were trying to do. And I had so many people um, who had my back and teammates who, you know, I remember when we were going on that double-double streak. And I say we were going on it because so many times I would be two rebounds short. Everybody's blocking out. Courtney, go grab the rebound. So, it was so many people just had two on my back. And like, um, let me be great. and turn, our program got to be great. So it was a
2: lot of fun. You know, you, you majored in something near and dear to my heart in journalism. And obviously it's, uh, it's something that we've seen be challenged sometimes recently with the way the media is going. But, Courtney, what have you been able to do beyond just basketball? What's kind of kept you busy away from the court over the last couple of years?
1: Oh my gosh! I wish I could honestly tell you that I've been away from the court the last couple of years. I, I really haven't been. I mean, I, would, <laughs> I play year round. So. I'm getting older, so I don't know how much longer I can do that. But I, I really, I play probably eleven and a half months out of the year, so I don't get very much of a break. So when but when I, I say do, away, from... I do it while I can do it. Oh, no, I,
2: I, and I don't blame you. So whenever you go and you play overseas and where you play in Turkey uh, during the summer, mm-hmm. at least you have, uh, let's see, where where is what w- w- That's Turkey as well, too. What's the passion level like overseas for women's basketball? When you go play and you're not in season for the WNBA and you're playing in the Turkish Women's Basketball League, what's that like, Courtney?
1: Um, I think I would explain it kind of like how – like, college fans are passionate about their teams. Like, for for me, at least in the town I'm playing in now, and I've played there for three years, high-tide turkey, um, they just love their city, you know, and our team is wow. sponsored by the, the government. And so they're so passionate about what we're doing, and they show up, and they go crazy because it's their city. It's their team. So it's, it's a lot of fun. People are really backing a lot over there. Do, do they have rules about how
2: many players they can have from the States? I know that uh, Barbara Turner, a former UConn player, is on that roster mm-hmm. as well with you. Are there certain rules with how many uh, American-born players they can actually have or no?
1: Yeah, you're only allowed to have two non-European oh. players. So that's actually me and an Australian girl who are the non-European players. And then you have people like Barbara Turner who played at UConn. She actually has a Turkish passport, so she plays as a Turkish player. So. Um, you have that situation every time, but most times it's two non-European players, so like two Americans per team.
2: Natalie Hurst, right? Is that the uh, Australian player that you were referring to, she, or is she or- it,
1: She, Yeah, she played with me the past two years. This year we have Leilani Mitchell, um, who's an um, Australian-American, so she's also American, but she's uh, this year it's her. I think
2: it's fair to say, as we're hanging out with Courtney Paris, that you had a sense of a career revival when you came to Tulsa and you joined the Shock. Obviously, there was never a doubt for those of us who cover the Sooners what your future was on the court. But, Courtney, what kind of clicked for you when you got into the Shock system and whenever, you know, you start playing overseas regularly? What helped you find that next level after college?
1: I think for me the hardest part coming in was – you know, it was a lot of doubt about me, about my size or if I keep up with the speed of the game. And I spent my first probably three or four years as a pro thinking, believing all the negatives and forgetting what I can do. And I remember one year um, I played in Turkey and I had the meanest coach alive. He really is the meanest coach. And actually, and I actually played together, so good things kind of settled things. But he challenged me. And I remember leaving that year and thinking, being more confident than I'd ever been and then going back to the NBA and thinking, you know, going to my coach, we had a new coach, and being like, you know, um, just changing my, my mindset about me and getting back to my old ways, my confident ways. And, I think mean, that year I ended up leading the WMA and rebounding and then joining again the next year. So I think it was just a process of – a mental process for me,
2: but I, I really. I, I, I know you don't have a ton of time, so I want to try to squeeze in three more quick questions. First one, how is Ashley? What has she been up to recently? And is she still playing year-round as well, too, or is she uh, getting away from the game a bit?
1: she kind of has of been off the past month but she yeah she still plays you around she plays in she's played in Russia and Turkey and a little bit oh, wow. everywhere so she still plays she's good she's on my nerves but she's good <laughs> second secondly
2: what did coach cole mean to you obviously this is an incredible staff that she's had and with Jan and I think that uh, TK was there just as uh, your career was was uh, getting going too but what what is Sherry Cole meant to you Courtney
1: I think, I mean, everybody knows the basketball mind she is, but I think the biggest thing for me is I came to college and I I valued basketball, and I saw myself as a basketball player, and you know, I kind of put everything into that, and I left OU feeling like so much more than that. She pushed me to, to get a degree. she pushed me to write every day, to um, challenge myself in school, and to just become a more well-rounded person. I think that's probably the biggest thing, and you know, I know like things like tomorrow night, where I'll be honored for what I did on the basketball court. But I think the biggest thing and what I appreciate the most from Coach Cole is how I feel off the basketball court, the confidence I got as just a person and a woman, and um, she influenced me a lot of that.
2: And a final thought: Have you thought about tomorrow night much? Have you thought about the emotions of it? Are you worried about getting emotional? Kind of. How do you plan on approaching tomorrow night, Courtney?
1: I don't know. You know, the biggest thing is I'm, I'm going to be extremely jet lag. It'll be 4 o'clock in the morning my time. So that's one thing I thought about. But, 2 I'm, I'm a crybaby, so I'm, I'm sure I'll cry. I'm, I already know that. I'm used to that. So it'll be emotional for me, but it'll be so nice to see all my former teammates. And it's been some of them I haven't seen since the last time I played with them. So wow. um, it'll just be nice to be back, and I'm excited about it.
2: Man, what an amazing career as her jersey will be raised to the Raptors during halftime of tonight's game. You can get tickets available through the OU Ticket Office starting as low as $5. But again, as part of the Sooner Salute weekend, you can go for absolutely free if you have tickets to the OU TCU football game. That includes the Friday night game and the Sunday game for OU and Omaha. Man, what a fun show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Reminder, you can subscribe at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Uh, In iTunes, just search Oklahoma Sooners podcast or look for the black logo with the crimson OU interlocking in it powered by Learfield Digimedia. Uh, If it's Google Play, Stitcher, whichever way you go about getting your podcast. We've got you covered at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Toby returns to recap the OU TCU game for Tuesday's edition and then we're going to try to get Teddy to rejoin us coming up for next Friday's edition. Until then, everyone have a great week. Enjoying not only five versus six this weekend, getting crazy, getting rowdy inside Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, but also the tip-off of the women's and the men's college basketball season. We'll be back on Tuesday. Until then, have a great weekend. And Boomer Sooner, everybody! This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash
3: podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air <laughs>